0: You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. We're going to be uh, looking at Ephesians. We started a series in Ephesians last week. Uh, we're going to spend a few more weeks in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. So uh, maybe uh, by week three you'll have this memorized. <laughs> But it's Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The words will be on the screen if you want to follow along that way. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. To the saints who are at Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Or in love he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace with which he favored us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, pleasure which he set forth in him. Regarding his plan of the fullness of the times to bring all, the, all things together in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth, in him we also have obtained the inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will to the end that we uh, who were the first to hope in the Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of the promise, who is the first installment of our inheritance in regard to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of of his glory. You may be seated. All right, let's get into Ephesians uh, chapter 1. As I said last, <clears throat> last week, I've been longing to, to dive into Ephesians with you for, well, since I arrived at Meadowbrook, uh, which is five years ago. And uh, I believe we're ready. I believe we're ready. And so I did kind of a, I, I, if you can imagine, uh, one of the things I loved doing as a child is, you know, where there was, you know, I grew up where there was a lot of water, uh, East Coast. Uh, if I were near a, a pond, my dad was also, loved to fish. We'd go fishing with him all the time. I'd love to find rocks, you know, smooth, flat rocks and see how far I can skim or skip the rock across the pond. You, anybody do that before? Right? Yeah, we, you know. Uh, and, and if you're a guy, you probably, uh, probably any opportunity you had used that as a way of competing with one another. Who could skip the rock the furthest? Well, I, I did that. Last week was kind of that for, for Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. It was like me taking a rock and just skimming the surface of Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. I just wanted you to see who you are in Jesus Christ if you're a Christian. That, that was my whole goal. I promised you last week that we will dive deeper into these verses uh, beginning today. And so we're going to dive deeper into, we're going to plunge the depths of verses 3 through 6 today. Next week, we'll plunge the depths of verses 7 through, through 12. And the week after that, we'll plunge the depths of, the theological depths of verses 13 and 14 uh, but for today, I would say this, that verses 3 through 6 or probably, in my opinion, I could be wrong, my opinion are the most difficult verses for, for some of you to just wrap your arms around uh, than any other section of scripture in Ephesians. And the reason why I could say that is because it was, it was that way for me when I first encountered Ephesians chapter one. Uh, I was, I don't know how old I was, I was like 18, 19 years old. Uh, I forget the exact date when I encountered Ephesians chapter one for the first time. I kept a journal. I share this with you um, in humility. I graduated from high school with maybe a sixth grade reading level. Uh, and maybe an eighth-grade level in math. I, I didn't learn any second language. I didn't learn grammar until I took biblical Greek in Bible college and seminary. And so, I just want you to to know that. I kept a journal. Now, I was never very disciplined in keeping a journal, but so I, I don't have many uh, things that I that I've said in the journal. But when I was wrestling with Ephesians chapter 1, I, I wrote in my journal two, two entries. Uh, I, <laughs> I, if, if you go into my office, I didn't bring it up to the podium here, but if you go into my office and you look at the journal, it's, in my, it's on my desk, uh, the way I spelled journal was G-E-R-N-A-L. No. I'm just saying that, that was my reading level, my grammar level, when I when I encountered Ephesians chapter one, and I survived. <laughs> I uh, I had a near crisis of faith when I was wrestling when I when I read Ephesians chapter one. When I came to verse four, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless in him, I had a near crisis, crisis of faith. I, I really, I want you to know this. I wrestled with wh- how how is this fair? How 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 is God able, or why would He choose some for salvation and not others? That was me with my sixth-grade reading level, trying to wrap my mind around what I was reading in verses four through six, with not John Calvin, not with a commentary, not with any other help, but my 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 study Bible. <laughs> This is my study Bible that I had when I was in high school and following uh, a few years following my high school years. I kept it. And all I had as I worked through this passage was my Bible and a pen and my heart and my mind as I try uh, and me praying with the Lord. I remember, I remember sitting at the desk in my room just wrestling over this. I wrote about it. And just, you know, just wrestling about well, how, how could this be? I remember, because I didn't drive, um, when I first encountered this, this was like several years, me wrestling through this. I remember I, I'd have to walk to uh, Sparkle Car Wash. That's where I worked. And on my way walking to Sparkle Car Wash, I, I was just, I was torn apart over these verses. And so I share that with you to try to put your mind at ease a little bit. Uh, it wasn't just Ephesians chapter 1. There were other passages in the Bible, like Romans chapter 8. If you, wanna, if you are taking notes, you can write those down. Romans chapter 8, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, John chapter 6, verse 44, Romans chapter 9. Like I, just, I, I just, just poured my heart over these things and just tried to figure out what, what, are, what, what do these words mean? What does verse 4 through 6 mean? What do they mean for me? What do they mean for my family members? What what do they mean? Uh, And, you know, know, showing my cards a little bit, some of you know where I lean theologically. But I I, I kid you not, I I knew nothing of the Protestant Reformation. I knew nothing of John Calvin. I knew nothing of uh, a guy by the name of um, uh, jacobus arminius that's where we got arminianism from i didn't know any of that all i knew was, here's what i was reading in the bible what do i do with it and my encouragement to you regardless, regardless of where you where you stand on, on your understanding of the, of these verses at the end of the day what matters is what does god say what does his word say? Who cares about what Pastor Keith says? Who cares about what John Calvin said? Who cares what, what Jacobus Arminius said? What matters is, what does the word of God say? And, and that's my heart for you. That's my heart for you. We may disagree. Uh, I, I will share as best as I can the different viewpoints of these passages, and, I will, and, and, and you'll get a sense for where I land on, on these verses. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what God says, Amen. All right, good. We got that out of the way. <laughs> um, and so, here's what I'm going to do. I just want to. I just want us to walk through these verses, verses three through six. And verse three begins with, "Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing." in the heavenly places and in Christ and then he lists what those spiritual blessings are we'll encounter some of those in 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 these verses i listed uh, just about all of them last week as we kind of skimmed the surface of ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 14 but the words that i want to focus on in our t- during our time together are just three words that i think i think will help you uh, understand what it is that paul is saying here what it is that the spirit of god wants you to take home with you and those three words are this chose predestined and favored those are the three words i'm going to that we're going to focus on and, somebody, and i just have three points and I'll just, I'll just list those for you god chose the christian to be holy and blameless Uh, My second point is God predestined the Christian for love. And the third point is that God favored the Christian uh, in Christ. And so before you (laughs) fold up your Bible and say, I I think I came to the wrong church, um, just let's walk through the passage together. Let's walk through the scriptures together. So what was so hard about my struggle with these verses, and we're we're looking at verse 4 right now, is that it's not... Verse four is not like it's not like a mystery. Like like it's not cloaked in in mysterious language, isn't it? Like like it's 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 pretty like blatant. It's like in your face. I mean, what is the definition of choose? Like, not long you know, not long from now, we will go to the polls in November. Every November we do this, and what do we do? We choose certain candidates that we would like to be in certain places of office, right? And what do we call that? You can answer the question. Election, right. So uh, this is where we get the word the, or the phrase, the doctrine of election. That God chose, he chose. Well, how did he choose? He, he, he chose us in him. Well, who's the him? It's Jesus. And, and when did he do it? Before dirt. <laughs> it's, it's the title of my sermon is uh, God, God's love is older than dirt. Um, I couldn't think of anything better. Uh, but it's true, right? Like before the foundation of the earth, when you, what do you think of when you think of earth? Dirt. So God's love is older than dirt. So before God invented dirt, before Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, he chose. He chose. There's no mincing with words here. That we would be, why did he choose? Well, that we would be holy and blameless in him. That we'd be holy and blameless before him. When did he do it? Before the invention of dirt. How did he do it? In his son, Jesus. That's next week's sermon, in Jesus. And why did he do it? That we would be holy and blameless. That we would be holy and blameless before him. Uh, there are a number of different views that i'm just going to share these with you there 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 are four main views i'm going to share the first three with you right now and the first is this let's go to the next slide if we could yeah Uh, so what does it mean for that god chose what, what does it mean that he chose like like what is paul getting at what is the apostle paul getting at God, well, one view is that God chose you for salvation because you freely chose him. So you were drawn to him, but it wasn't until you chose him that he chose you. Uh, so that's one way of looking at it. That's one popular view. Another popular view is that um, when God chose, you know, what Paul means here in, these verse, in verse 4, that he chose us, you know, before the foundation of the world, the us is really the body of Christ. It's, it's the church as a whole. That, uh, to, that, to, to, that he chose the church to be the principal means by which people would hear the gospel and would receive the gospel, and by believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, they would be a part of the church. That's what, that's, that's what God meant by, or that's what Paul meant by chose. And then there's a third view, which I would guess that probably a large I mean a, a number of you probably are comfortable with, with this one, that God chose you for salvation because He sees all things eternally. And because he is able to see peoples and events, both present and future, he sovereignly chose you because he already knew you would freely choose Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. So... Another way that you know, I've heard people explain that is like Jesus, that, that God looked down the corridors of time and He saw that Keith Miller would one day, you know, he he would get hit by a car, and that God would use it, that, He would use that to, to, to get my attention, and then then uh, Daryl O'Dare uh, would come into my hospital room and he would share the gospel with me, and uh, leading up to that would be about a year of uh, Jackie Peregrine and, and my father, Butch Miller, uh, sharing the gospel with me, and, and then Daryl would come and be invited into my room, and he would share the gospel with me as my dad was praying for me on my one side of my bed, and Jackie Peregrine, who's like a second mom to me, was praying for me on the other side of my bed, and that God saw that, and, uh, and because he knew that I would respond to the gospel, he, that's what it mean, means that he chose me. And even in my journal, in my journal, I, I indicated that. Um, that's kind of where I was gravitating uh, back in 1994. And it seemed like, especially this third, um, this third view of, of understanding what God, or what Paul meant by the word choose, seemed to line up with passages like 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Let's go to that one. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And so I thought, yeah, that, that kind of lines up with, 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 with verses like that. Um, but there's a fourth view. There's a fourth view. And I'm not going to get into all the details. I want you to just go home and be bothered by this and then work through it. And wrestle with it. And listen, listen. At the end of the day, if if we don't agree, uh, it's okay. It's okay. We can still be brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can agree to disagree on these things. This is a. This is this. I think this is an important issue. I don't think this is a like if you if you don't line up with where Pastor Keith is, you're going to hell. I don't think it's that right. Like Jesus died for our sins. At the end of the day, that's that's the point. Like that's the point. Okay. So there's a fourth view. Um, and, and <clears throat> the biggest problem and this has been a journey for me the biggest problem I have with the three views that I just mentioned to you uh, of how God chooses is, is, is this um, next slide Ephesians chapter 2 the very next chapter so if you have your Bible um, you will want to see this I'll also have the words on the screen, too. And you were dead. Uh, How dead is dead? dead? Dead. Okay, good. Just making sure we understand. All right. So you were dead in your offenses and sins in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now walking in the sons of disobedience or working in the sons of disobedience. So who's he speaking to in chapter 2? He's speaking to the same people that he's speaking to in chapter 1. He's speaking to the, uh, the church in Ephesus. He's speaking to us. If you were a Christian, you were once dead. You were once dead. Among them, we too all previously lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the, des- the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest, uh, Period. That's, that's, that was our condition. That's, that's, that's kind of where we're at. So as you work through the Bible, remember one of our house rules I, I listed last week? Do not impose your view on the Word of God. Don't impose what you think the Bible should say on what the Bible actually says. Let the Word of God impose its authority upon your own heart. And, and if you lose sleep over it, fine that's okay uh, god god is patient like look at me like i could i couldn't even spell journal when i was wrestling through this and so like god, god is able to work through you know our our assumptions and all those things but don't impose your assumptions on the word of god so then you have to ask yourself a question like i read this where i read verse 4 and verse 4 falls in a larger context and that larger context is ephesians right And then, so I read through chapter 1, and then I come to chapter 2, the first three verses, and Paul's picking up where he left off in chapter 1, because remember, the first 14 verses of chapter 1 is one run-on sentence. He's making a point. Then we come to chapter 2, and he says that we were dead. And just in case you forgot, how dead is dead? dead? Dead. Okay, good. So we have to ask ourselves some questions. This is called inductive Bible study methods. So we have to ask some questions. How can a person respond to God in faith when that person is spiritually what? dead. Can the spiritually dead, these are just questions. Can the spiritually dead do anything spiritual? How many of you are hunters? You can raise your hand, right? How many of you killed an animal? Was it dead? Was it able to move afterwards? No, okay. Um, how many of you have driven by roadkill on the side of the road? I, I used to... Every time I would get calls, especially during political season, I would answer the, the phone, Joe's Road Pizza, we scrape them, you eat them, may I help you? And they would... And they would uh, then they would hang up. Or they would like, uh... <laughs> that's all I'd hear. It's like, um... <laughs> Did I call the right number? Uh, Dead is dead. <laughs> and what does Paul mean by the word dead here in Ephesians chapter 2? The, the, the Greek word is necros. It means dead. <laughs> like there's no way, other way to interpret it, to translate it. It's dead. So how can, so here's the question. I'm just going to leave this with you. How can, how can the spiritually dead do anything apart from God doing something? How can the spiritually dead do anything apart from God doing something? That's a, that's a legitimate question. We're forced to ask that question. Remember what I said? This whole uh, Ephesians it answers two questions for us. And I, and, I, and I said this even before we started the series, that uh, if you want to understand what it means to be the church, you need to understand what it means to be a Christian. And if you want to understand what it means to be the church, you need to understand what it means to be a Christian. Like, if you want to understand what it means to be a Christian, you need to understand what what it means to be the church. You want to know what it means to be um, a Christian? You need to understand what it means to be the church. Paul answers those two questions for us in Ephesians. Those first 14 verses are marvelous. They're beautiful. Like he's letting us know, look, Christian, this is you were dead, chapter two. Now this is who you are, chapter one. This is who you are. You're, you're, you're alive in him now. And if, if you want to know how, how is it how is it that a spiritually dead person can become living that can do anything apart from God doing something, he tells us in verses 4 and 5. Now, we'll get to chapter 2 in the sermon series eventually, but I just want to show you this so you can see the context. Verse 4. I love, I love this connecting word. But, but what? But God. You were dead, but verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, in case you've already forgotten, in our wrongdoings, he made us alive together with Christ. And if you're wondering if you had anything to do with it, by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. So, so the point of verse 4, and this is, the, this is my longest point, I promise you. Like the point of verse 4 is simply this. You who were once spiritually dead are now alive if you're a Christian. And that's good news. That's, that's the point of chapter 1. You were dead. Now you're alive. And who do we owe the credit to? Not anything I've done. Everything that God has done through Jesus. He did a miracle. The, like I, I meet with a group of guys on, on Sunday after, you know, around 4 o'clock at Diasbog. And now what we're doing is I ask them, uh, we're, we're diving into the passage I'm going to preach on in the coming weeks or in the coming week, the, the following week. And we were working through this uh, last Sunday. And I just let them kind of speak into kind of what I'm thinking and they get to ask questions and we just spend some time talking about it. And uh, I just, I just said, you have to answer this question if you're going to understand what verse 4 means. Who, who took the first step? Who was the first to act when it came to our salvation? And the guy said, that, that's a really good point. Uh, who took the first act? H- here's the good news of this. You who were once You who once lived in the lust of your flesh, indulged in the desires of your flesh, this is all Ephesians 2, you who once followed the prince of the power of the air, you who were once a child of wrath, God chose you before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. God acted first. Regardless of what you think of verse 4, here's the the truth of the matter. God acted first because you had nothing in you to take the first step. When when you had no ability or desire to find him, listen, when you had no ability or desire to find God, God found you. That's good news. We pray that way, don't we? God, please soften their hearts. God, please open their eyes. God, please give them ears to hear. Like if you are sharing, the, uh, find yourself uh, about to share the gospel with somebody, how do you pray? Do you pray, oh God, I pray that in the, 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 the deepest recesses of their heart, that goodness would spring forth and, and, and then that they would just come to you. Like, do we pray that way? No, it's stupid. Like, we pray that God will do what God is able to do. He does the miracle. I am here today, and so are you if you're a Christian, because God took the first step. He acted first. I was dead. I'm alive now because of him. That's the point of chapter 1. That's the point of chapter 1. This is good news. This is good news. Uh, I, I read this quote by John Stott. He said, the doctrine of election is a divine revelation, not human speculation. It's right there in verse 4, which leads me to my second point. God predestined the Christian for love. What does predestined mean? To choose. (laughs) Uh, It literally means this, to determine something ahead of time before it occurs. Now, you can lose sleep over that one, but that's what it means. That's what it means. you got to do something with it. I lost a lot of sleep over this chapter uh, as I was wrestling over it. Uh, and, you know, in those years that I encountered it. So, according to verse 5, before God invented dirt, he planned for your adoption as a son or a daughter of the living God. Remember chapter 2 said you are a child of wrath. And God found you when you had nothing to give, and he, he did something. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I know what he did, according to chapter two, but if you're still wrestling with this, you need to, come, you, you, at least you have to admit, he did something that resulted in me from being spiritually dead to now being alive. There's something that happened in me when I heard the gospel on that moment where it finally made sense. Something happened in me that it made sense, and I surrendered my life to him. And that something is God did it. (laughs) He did it. He did it. Uh, So look at verse 5. He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself. How did he do it? Through Jesus. There it is again. Through Jesus, ten times. He it says it's, he did this through through Jesus, through Jesus. And, like, did we deserve it? Here's, here's the, you know, how is this fair? <laughs> like we we don't want a fair God. Because here's fair. Here i just I'll just share some fairness with you. Um, we saw it in verse 3. By nature we're children of wrath, just as the rest. From the moment of birth. Let's go to uh, the next slide. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. Right? Let's read this together. As it is written, there is no righteous person, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks out God. It's pretty clear, right? Let's go to the next one. Um, this, I doubt, is in... If you're an expectant mother, you probably do not have this written on your wall, but you should memorize it. You should memorize it because your child will be a teenager one day. All right. I can say, yeah, there's truth there. Um, Behold, I was brought forth in guilt, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now the next one. And Ecclesiastes, this is the last one I'll share. Like, I know this is not in any nursery represented in this room, right? But let's read it together. Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of mankind are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Any of you uh, had a teenage child and you asked them, are you insane? Proof text, right there. Boom. Um, They are. (laughs) Like... Like, do we deserve? Do we like? Do we deserve this? Here, here's, here's the thing. Um, here's what I want you to hear. The mass of humanity from from the moment of birth is a sea of disobedience. Is a sea of people who are not seeking God, who are spiritually dead. Think of zombies. There's, 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 they're animated. But in terms of their posture towards God, they're at odds with Him. That we were, t- we were told that we were following the course of, of this world. And according to chapter, see, Paul wants these Ephesian Christians to understand this. We, God wants us to, to see this too. Like we were dead. And being dead meant that we were at odds with God. We were at, the Bible uses the word enemy. We were an enemy of God. We are hostile towards him. And he came and found us. He sought us out. God chose you, Christian, in Jesus before he created dirt, to, the dirt to be holy and blameless. And, and look at this. Like God raised your spiritually dead and helpless self. And why did he do it? Let's go, um, let's go to the next slide. Uh, one more. In love. Like, why did he do it? Well, God, why did you save my soul? Why, why did, whatever that is that you did in me that resulted in me being awoken or whatever, um, why did you do it in love? If, if you're a Christian here, the reason why you're here is because God loved you. That's the only answer you need. He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself. And look, in the next one according to the good pleasure of his will. If, you weren't, if, if love wasn't enough, here's the next reason, the, the good pleasure of his will. That's why he did it. Did you deserve it? Did I deserve it? No. No. The reason why he did it is he's rich in mercy. It's because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead. God made us alive together with Christ. Period. Like, like The reason why... You placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The reason why you're, rede- you're saved is because God loves you and you didn't deserve it. And he did all that through Jesus. I don't know how many of you are doing the Bible reading. I know a bunch of you are, are doing the read through the Bible in a year, you know, part of something we're doing as a church. Two weeks, or Two days ago, what did you read about? the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. God slaughtered his son on a cross for sins that we committed, a cross that he didn't deserve, that we deserved, to redeem us when we didn't deserve to be redeemed. And the Bible tells us he did it because he's rich in mercy. He did it because of his great love. He did it because he loved us. And he did it even when we were dead. He made us alive. Like, that's the gospel. If if you want to know what it means to be a Christian, this is what it means to be a Christian. And and here's something else you need to hear God doesn't believe for you. In order to be saved, you must believe that Jesus lived the life you could never live, that he died a death on a cross for your sins, in your place, and then on on the third day, he rose from the grave. You need to believe that in order to be saved. But when you believe that, the the moment you believe that, a miracle has happened. You went from being dead to being alive, which um, no one deserves that. That's why God is not fair. (laughs) He's a God of mercy. God, you know, use that next time you're pulled over by a police officer. Hey, officer, do you know what mercy is? Mercy is, um, let me tell you what mercy is. I know I deserve the ticket, but you don't have to give me the ticket. You'll probably get a bigger ticket, right? So like, that's, that's mercy. But God, God lavishes mercy upon you and upon me. And then the next thing is that God favored the Christian in Christ. This is short. This is like my application part. Uh, He favored the Christian in Christ. Look at verse 6. To the praise of his glory. So why did he do all this? To the praise of his glory, which he favored us in the beloved. Who's the beloved? Capital B. It's Jesus. He favored us in Jesus. That's next week's sermon, but I I just want to show you some things. Like he did that through his son. And through his son, he favored you. Not because you had anything to offer him. Like I said last week, it wasn't like we were line, it wasn't like um, uh, in, in in junior high recess where you where you pick two captains for two teams because you're going to play tag football or whatever, and you all line up and guess who gets picked first? The better athletes. Guess who? You know, when I lined up. I, I was the last one to be picked. Like, that was, that was my lot in life, right? But that's not what God does here. He doesn't look at the line of, of the sea of humanity and says, yes, Keith would make a great part of my team. Oh, I could, yeah, he, he'll do so much for me. And, and uh, you know, and Frank will do this because he, he, just, he just is smarter than Keith. And, like, like that's, not the, that's not how it worked. It, we're told in 1 Corinthians, listen, here's one for you. We're told in 1 Corinthians he chose the weak things, to despise the strong or to shame the strong. He chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. That's us, weak and foolish. He took a, 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 a person who was running from him, me, I was running from him, I did whatever my friends wanted to do, and uh, I, he took somebody with a sixth grade reading level who was beat up and used up, who uh, smoking pot and going to parties and... And doing all those things because, because I was spiritually dead and he found me. That's Ephesians chapter 1. And that's your story too. That's your story too. And why did he do it? So that we would be holy and blameless before him. He didn't save you so that you can have some facts about the gospel in your brain. He saved you to change you. He loves you too much to leave you as you are. Here's what Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 6 means for you, Christian. God God saved you by putting his son, who kept the law perfectly, on a cross to atone for your guilt, my guilt, um, and guilt that we're responsible for. We broke God's cosmic law and he put his son on the cross, and the Bible tells us that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, "Cursed is everyone who is hanged on on the tree. Jesus became a curse for us. He became a curse for us. And if that were not enough, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says, And when you were dead in your wrongdoings and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our wrongdoing, having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he, was, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to what? The cross. To the cross. He nailed it to the cross. And... Um, Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says this, that, that for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You know what this means, friends? This means that you who were once an enemy of God have now been made not just a son, not just a daughter, but a friend of the living God. Like you are a friend of the living God. And he did this, why? To the praise of his glory. That's what it means to be favored by God. To be favored, literally, to be favored literally it means this, to become the recipient of God's freely bestowed benefit, a benefit, <laughs> beneficent goodwill. I uh, started reading a book, and he said this about the friendship of God. Mike uh, McKinley said this, Your status before God doesn't depend on your performance or work or obedience. It depends on Jesus. And he did everything perfectly in order to make you God's friend. Nothing can ever separate you from God's love in Christ. Once he has made you his friend through faith in Jesus, you can never be his enemy again. I, I just have... uh, takeaways for you what does this mean this this is kind of this is what I had to go through to to wrestle through these verses Um, like verse one I mean not verse one uh, the first point do not try to bend what you read in the Bible to your will if you want to save yourself a lot of pain as you work through passages like Ephesians chapter one do not try to bend what you read in the Bible to your will if you want to grow as a Christian, you must submit your will to the authority of the Bible, God's Word. And that's hard sometimes. It's the strength of expository preaching. Like I knew we we, we needed to get through Ephesians, like, I, but I wasn't like jumping up and down like, oh, yay, I get to do verse four today, like, because I, I I know I know I remember how hard it was for me to get through verses three through through six. And for some of you, it's, it's really difficult right now. But that's okay. Do not bend what you read in the Bible to your will. Allow your will to be subject to the authority of God's word. The second thing, second thing I want to uh, share with you is that the Bible is one book. The Bible is one book. Therefore, listen, therefore, every verse in the Bible is, you know, is, is connected to every verse in the Bible. Does that make sense? Like it's one book, it's one story. So Ephesians chapter 1 is connected to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 is connected to the Old Testament. Like I can go on and on and on. Uh, Third thing, when you study your Bible, pray to God to help you understand and apply his word to your life. I do that all the time. Just pray that God will give you eyes to see. But again, let the word of God speak into your life. Uh, Fourth, read every verse in the Bible with with the understanding that God, listen, this is so important, especially with a passage like this, read every verse in the Bible understanding that God does not need to improve upon being good. He doesn't need to get better at being good. Guess who does? We do. So don't you think it's crazy that we tend to judge the justice of God against the backdrop of what we think justice should look like? So, he's good. You're not going to have all your questions answered. You can settle in the reality that God is good. And even if you're confused over certain verses in the Bible. Fifth, just because you do not understand or do not like something you have read in the Bible does not mean that it is untrue. Sixth, at the end of the day, what matters is what God's word says, not what you think the Bible says, what your pastor says the Bible says, what your family says the Bible says, what your friends say the Bible says, or what anyone, what book you've read says the Bible says. At the end of the day, what matters is what God says. Amen? Amen. And then seventh, this is the final one. Uh, If you have heard anything this morning, I hope that you've heard this, that Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6 teaches us that you are a Christian not because of what you have done, not because of anything um, that you are able to contribute to to God, but because of everything that God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, on a cross in your place, and he promises you that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, that you will be saved. That if you, if you believe on the name Jesus, the Christ, that there is salvation found in no one else but him alone. That Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by me. And that uh, if you have done that, it is sheer mercy that you are able to do that. It is God's lavishing grace that you are able to do that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for... Our time together thank you for what you're doing in and through our lives and this next song that we sing as we as we sing it god just that we'd be able to think about the the truth of those words the reality of those words you were god you are god and you are good and you have found uh, most of us in this room maybe everyone in this room who has placed their faith in your your son you, you found them you found them and you have made them alive. You've made me alive. God, that is, that is your grace. That is your mercy. And you did it through your son. You did it through your son. We thank you for the gift of our salvation. We thank you for what it means to be a son, for what it means to be a daughter of the living God and to be your friend. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.